And we're back with the latest episode of Steelers Touch Down Under, previewing this week's game against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Mark Davison. We're also joined by a great guest that we've got here, a fan favorite and a regular with the BTSC listeners out there, Brian Anthony Davis. Bad. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. So glad to be here talking about the possibly slippy slope for the legless Eagles. so if you've tuned into part two and you've missed part one we invite you to go back and have a listen to part one where where brian had a bit of an attempt at you know sort of nine to ten aussie words and and what their meanings were and we taught him a little bit about we moved our sling in the slang segment and we got him all up to speed on the latest aussie lingo but look we looked at this week's title you know the winded beneath the eagle's wings That gives you a bit of an insight into how we're going to preview this week's game and some of the insights as the Steelers are about to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. We're coming to you live on air on your Saturday morning, ready ahead of Sunday's game. Mark, massive game for the Steelers this week. We had the impromptu bye last week, missed the Titans game. There's been a lot of talk about that. What are you looking for this week for the Steelers to come home with that win against the Eagles? Um, first and foremost, you've, you've got to take care of, uh, Carson Wentz. Um, we've got to put a lot of pressure on him. And I think, I think the Steelers organization will be prepared. They'll be, uh, ready at the helm. They'll be a little bit angry. Big Ben, uh, in his, uh, posts, uh, or one of his discussions, uh, through the week was sounding a bit agitated. So hopefully he can, you can push that, that buck further. But I'm looking to see on the defensive side, I would like to give it a shout out. And he's, I think he's started to become one of our favorites again. Uh, be like Mike, Mike Hilton. He's playing phenomenal football. He's pressuring the quarterback, even when he doesn't get there for the sack. And he has two sacks. Uh, he's coming off the edge. His coverage is still a bit sketchy, but we'll figure that out. But I like the way Mike's playing. He's, he's becoming a short tackler. Um, so if he can get Carson, you know, uh, chase him around a little bit and then Barton and TJ to clean up again, this defense is like, you said it in, in part one and this, this defense is really, really special. Like TJ is, he wants to be defensive player of the year and I do not know how he's in contention at this moment, you know, so he, he's looking really good and Bud wants to play for that contract and we got big cam in the middle. There's a lot of names here that have been around for the last three or four years, but this is, this is the year. And hopefully this week, I want to see them uh, crush the Eagles and send a message to the NFL. No one's talking about the Steelers uh, the, uh, the last the, the four weeks. Only publicity we got was for the, the COVID with uh, the Titans. They're not talking about the Steelers. And if we win this week, hopefully we send the, the NFL a message. So you're looking for a bit of RESPCT there, Mark? Oh, 100%. Um, I think even with, uh, with uh, Big Ben, uh, where they did the ESPN had like a full uh, a monthly, like, uh, you know, stats that came out and the comeback player of the year was Cam Newton. Big Ben's got seven touchdowns and one interception and that one he threw was a duck egg and he shouldn't have thrown that ball. Why hasn't Big Ben got any respect that he deserves? And if he can come out and light, I, I really think the Steelers to to get a bit of, you know, dust off their shoulders. We, if they come out and, and put 30 on them and don't allow the Eagles to run on, like run over us on defense, we'll feel like, oh, okay, 4-0, you know, we're good, we're good. But it would be great to see them win 37-3 to or something. 
Brian, Mark's touched on an interesting point there around Big Ben and the respect that he's had coming into coming into this season, even through, you know, three performances, which, you know, I think have been some great strong performances. And I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking around comfortability and when when did we feel Ben would be back in the first couple of weeks being in preseason or what have you. But what are your thoughts on whether Ben's getting the respect that he deserves? Ben has never gotten the respect that he deserves. And a lot of that was Ben's doing. Early on in his career, he had a very big ego. We had the uh, motorcycle crash. We had some of the problems, um, that the partying that uh, led to allegations. And the NFL really did not want to give him his due. The media especially, uh, they've always looked at him as a little bit of a villain. And I could understand that from happening back then. But now this the script has flipped. Ben is in a situation right now where you he's doing things that he hasn't done before. A lot of them are PR oriented, which I don't have a problem with as well. You saw the uh the Ben documentary, the uh series on uh I believe it was on YouTube or just on social media that came out and something that's happening this weekend that I just felt found out about last night. He has an interview on the Fox pregame with Terry Bradshaw coming out this week. And Terry Bradshaw's really excited about this. And one of the things that he, when he was teasing it, he's like, you know, Ben and I have not always gotten along. And they haven't. They have always been at odds. And now after this interview, Terry Bradshaw can't wait to get back down to Pittsburgh to go ahead and uh, hang out with Ben. And he said it. So there's kind of a coming together moment with two legendary Pittsburgh Steeler quarterbacks. Uh, which is telling me that uh, Ben is really on a, uh, on a redemption tour. The NFL does not want to give Ben respect. You're seeing it in the Cam Newton thing, and that is fine. Don't give him any respect. Don't give any of the Pittsburgh Steelers respect, because when they have that ship on their shoulder and that ship on their shoulder grows, then they can move mountains. So look, be disrespected. Let you want them to be in an interview at the end of the year, holding the sticky Lombardi. And that's something that Ben called it from because the Lombardi, when they're passing around, it gets all gross and sticky. They call it the sticky Lombardi and just saying, nobody believed in our, in us except for ourselves. And that's what you want from a football team. You don't want respect. Now you want respect at the end of the year when you're holding that trophy and nobody can take it away from you. Exactly, exactly. And that's what they're focused on. The Steelers are focused on the respect that's earned through the Lombardis. The Steelers are focused on, we're the first team to six. We want to be the first team to seven. That's what gets you the respect, not comeback player of the year awards. But look, moving back to this week's game, the said title, title of today's show, The Winded Beneath the Eagles' Wings. Mark, you've given a bit of an insight there into the Steelers' defense, the guys that you, you, you think that need to have a bit of, you know, a massive performance this week. But I agree with you because the 49ers with some pretty big name players out last week had three sacks, seven tackles for a loss and got 10 hits on the QB. Now the Steelers against probably, a, you know, Wentz is a mobile quarterback, but against a probably less mobile quarter, like Wentz is probably a little bit less mobile than Deshaun Watson. The Steelers had eight tackles for a loss. They got five sacks they had 12 quarterback hits. 
So I'm sitting there with that Steelers and, and, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, Steelers fans are probably sitting there going, you know, the Steelers could have even defense could have done a bit more against the Texans. Mark, who's that? You've labeled a couple of players there, but who is that player that absolutely has to step up if the Steelers are going to shut down Wentz and get him, getting him throwing picks? Maybe just thinking now, maybe I'm thinking about Devin Bush. Maybe if he can come into his own, you know, we always, I just uh, labeled the other players, TJ and Bud, but maybe Bush can come up the middle um, or shadow the quarterback, put a little bit of pressure. You got to pressure um, Carson Wentz so he can throw those silly uh, interceptions. Carson Wentz is a gunslinger, a bit like Brett Favre. He'll throw it to, you know, into to four, four people with only, you know, one receiver there. Um, I think we can get a few interceptions out of Carson Wentz. I think Watson was a, is a better player than Wentz. So maybe Bush can can roam around and and you know put a bit of pressure or even you know cover the tight ends and and see if we can force something and if we can do that this is going to play into the Steelers game and hopefully get a, a bigger advantage in the points as well. Yeah, and as you say there, it's that pressure on Wentz. But what I want, I think the Steelers have done well to pressure opposition quarterbacks this season. I want to see them take the next step this week. And Jeffrey Benedict did a terrific article on this earlier in the week where he talked about how the Steelers have gone against tight tight ends. And if you, you missed that article in Film Room when you know Phil might be something that you, you don't overly read, that's a really great one when you think about some of the tight ends that we've been up against, whether it's Evan Ingram, whether it's Noah Fant, um Aikens as well there. Um, but how the Steelers are going to stop someone like Zach Ertz, because for me, if we can start taking the lifelines away for Carson Wentz and he feels more pressure. As you say there, Mark, he's more likely to throw those interceptions. So I'm interested to see how, you know, Edmonds comes into the, into the game there and, and marks up on a, on a Zach Ertz when he's, you know, going through for those middle sort of passes there, because obviously we know Devin's going to drop into some pass coverage as well, but he's not necessarily being great against great, great against the tight ends. Where does Minka Fitzpatrick roam around and come through and make those interceptions? How are they going to shut that down? Um, but Brian, we've got two potentially offensive weapons there in Philly this week in Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, um, that are, are tentative at the moment based on the injury reports. When we come to you live on air, they may make Friday's practice. Um, but how are the Steelers going to go in shutting down Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and, and which player in the secondary needs to step up and stop them in their tracks? Well, they all do, but I really want to look at Steven Nelson in this game. He has been maligned at the beginning of the year. Now, remember, the Steelers have put these defensive backs kind of on an island. You know, when you start off the season going after saying, hey, we have got to shut down Saquon Barkley. We've got to shut down Deshaun Watson as far as uh, his running ability. And when you do that, you put your secondary out on an island. Now, the second half adjustments that they made against the Houston Texans, were they adjustments or did they just start to do things better? I really think they were adjustments. And that adjustment is all you need to know that this team is figuring it out, the uh, happy medium, the division of labor on defense as well, to go ahead and shut down receivers as well as the running game. So once they continue to get that figured out, they're going to be in much better shape. I really want to see uh, Steven Nelson continue to become a shutdown corner. But as far as Minka Fitzpatrick goes, 
he's fine with what he's doing right now. He's just doing different things this year. He's uh, stepping up a little bit more, doing some more of those uh, uh, linebacking duties that you just don't you just don't realize that he's doing. He's doing everything he's asked to be done. My thought with Minka Fitzpatrick and the Steelers secondary is that they are doing what the coaches want them to do. And they are doing better in the eyes of the coaches than they are of the fans. And as fans, myself included, myself especially, we don't know what they know. So it's not our opinion as much as their opinion. And if the Steelers coaches say everything's okay, we just have some adjustments to make, then trust in those adjustments and they're going to be just fine. Exactly. And right now the Steelers are sitting there at 3-0. And so the strategy, the strategy is working. It's getting us the Ws. It's getting us, you know, closer to, the, closer to the playoffs and cementing that spot. It's keeping us at the top of the AFC North. And it, I think you've touched on a really interesting point there, Brian, which I feel has been a bit of a hallmark through three games. And particularly when you start looking at the spreading of the ball on offense amongst the wide receivers, the bringing in, you know, Vance McDonald against the Texans, but the, the slow, you know, um, slow, uh, you know, warming up of Eric Ebron. And that's the character of the team. Players aren't stats going out there to get the stats. They care more about how the team is going to perform. How's the team going to get the W? It's not about how many, you know, um, takeaways and turnovers Minka's getting or how many yards Juju's got to get. We don't have some of the, you know, the personalities or the characters that we've had in previous seasons. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of a much more harmonious team that actually care about a lot more than their own statistical or personal output and awards and contracts, but they're caring more about what the team does. And I think that is when we talk about it being a special season, if we're going to get through and we're going to host that, that, that Lombardi trophy at the end of the year, we're going to need a team that's harmonious and we're going to need a team here that, you know, believes in doing and sacrificing for one of one another. And, uh, you know, you can't argue with the first three weeks and say that that hasn't happened. But at the same time, the Steelers face a bit of a challenge in Philly. Now we all know, you know, many listeners on the, on, on the, to the podcast here today would be saying the Steelers always struggle against Philly. We talked a little bit about, you know, where, what the opportunity is for the Steelers defense out there, you know, and, and how they might, you know, win those wings beneath the Eagles, given what the 49ers were able to do and given the names and the, and the, the type of caliber players that we've got on the Steelers defense across the defensive line and linebacking core. But Philly themselves in that game had five sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss and had 15 quarterback hits against that game against the 49ers. Talked about being Ben and earning respect. Mark, what, is, what do the Steelers have to do to win this matchup by not letting the, the, the Eagles get the better of them? You've, you've got to look after your quarterback and your offensive line. The big boppers up front for the field of the Eagles. They've, they've played like this for the last few years. Uh, Flex, uh, sorry, Fletcher Cox is, is a machine. Brandon Graham is un- unbelievable. You've got Jay Wobble, uh, Hargraves, and they... they intertwine their defense. So it's not always they have freshmen on the field at all times. So they might get Big Ben running. So that's going to be a, a good matchup to watch because they want to, they want to feast and they want to, they want to uh, sack the quarterback and, and, and sack Big Ben. So if we can take care of that and maybe pass early and pass often, like we've got to get this ball moving, you know, but they, they're leading the league in sacks. So they're there for a reason. 
Um, yeah, th- those fellas up front, are, are, they're very, very difficult to stop. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, Fletcher Cox, you know, I've, I've, you know I feel like I'm sinning almost saying this, but he, he's a bit of a favorite player for mine that's not on the Steelers roster when you, and you see how he can turn a game quite quickly. And, and he'll know he, that he's the sort of player that's got to step up this week if they're going to get a win. But on the offensive side of the football, we mentioned there who the Steelers have to stop. For me, when I went through some recent performances, there's a dark horse sitting there on the, on the Philadelphia Eagles roster that could well change the game against the Steelers. Most people would know him from his rushing ability in Miles Sanders. But he had a very, very good splash play on offense last week that went for 28 yards. And if we are pressuring the Eagles in the way that we, we are hopeful that this Steelers defensive line and, and linebacking core will do, we need to be able to stop these passes out of the backfield. We need Mike Hilton coming down. Like We've talked to several shows now about how well Mike Hilton's done coming off the line and, and, and shutting down players like um, Saquon Barkley. We need that this week as well if the Steelers are going to get the win. We need to shut down these offensive threats. And, and personally, I think if, if we do have Alshon Jeffrey in the game, if we do have Deshaun Jackson, we're lucky a guy like the rookie in, you know, in Jalen Rager's out because he can stretch that field. And that starts to create, as I said, these options for Wentz to perhaps get back into a bit of form because he is capable of a bit of form, isn't he, Mark? Yeah, definitely. He's been, you know, what's his, what does Wentz have this uh, this year? Like uh, seven interceptions or something similar, six interceptions, I'm too sure, something similar like that. And Wentz doesn't play that way. Um, Wentz, Wentz is a better quarterback than what he's playing the last few weeks, but we say that and then he's and they're leading the NFC East with one, two and one. So, you know, for, for the Steelers fans out there, this is a game we, sh- we should win. Um, is it a trap game? Not really entirely sure. I didn't call it a trap game. Uh, this, this Steelers team is still playing at home and we're playing, you know, four games in a row. So, you know, the, the Steelers have been, um, you know, at home during this whole process. That's going to give them an advantage. We now have 5,500 uh, 5, fans, 11,000 towels. So we have a, a bigger advantage than the Eagles. And there's a lot of pressure on the Eagles to do well, even though the, the, the NFC East is so poor. So take that with what you will. Definitely. The other part for the Steelers this week as well, we talked to, I talked to them about earlier about the character of the team and spreading the ball on offense. And I know in the, in the preview show, and, you know, and if you haven't, haven't been able to catch that one this week, listeners, please go back and listen to the Steelers preview game with this with you know, Dave Schofield, Bad, who's joining us on, on our podcast here today, and of course, um, co-editor Jeff Hartman. But Jeff talked about getting the ball to Claypool. You know, Claypool's a big man. He might be a rookie, but he's got that 4-4 four, four speed at 6'4", 235 pounds. He's a big man. Mark, is there another offensive player this week that you think really needs to shine if the Steelers are going to get the W? You know what? It'd be cool to see Juju go off. You know, uh, he's, he's doing some really cool things on slants and he's, he's spreading the, uh, the field quite a bit. But like you said, this ball is going everywhere. It's going to our, to our backfield, to our receivers, to uh, DJ. It's, it's going, it's all over the shop, like we said last week. But uh, as, a, as a fan perspective, give Juju, you know, a few touchdowns uh, would be quite exciting to watch, I reckon. 
without a doubt. And you just you sort of get this feel with Juju the last few weeks that he's he's getting close to breaking a real long one. You know, he only needs to hit that slant on the right on the right piece. Obviously, he got really open. Um, you know, as any as he put up on social media, he's socially distanced when he got when he scored that touchdown and sort of walked into the end zone there. But you know, but as you're right, like how the Steelers spread the ball when you've got a guy like Darius Slay, you know, in the secondary for the, for the Eagles as well. You've got, you know, McLeod who had a monster game um, last week and, you know, Roby Coleman is another, another decent player there on the defense. Um, Jalen Mills is starting to step up for them as well. Mark, how do you think the, how do you think the grave digger is going to go this week? Uh, it really depends how much he plays in that, in that system, you know, um, I think he'd be, you know, he'd be raring to go, come back to Pittsburgh. And I was, I was, you know, as, as a fan, like you think I was a bit sad that he left, but then you've got to make sure you're, you're a Steelers fan and you don't follow the one player like some Brady fans do out there. Um, you know who you are, but you're not, you know, they're not listening. We're all Steelers fans. But yeah, uh, Hargraves, he's a, he's a big man up front, isn't he? When he, when he wants to put it on, he, he can take care of that center. Uh, he's, he's good in the run game. Um, he fits that, that defensive line, you know, like perfectly, you know, they've got some really big boppers up front, but I'll be like, I don't want him to get a sack, obviously. Um, but for the man's career, he's, he's, I was happy that he, that he went to a team like the Eagles. Yeah. Awesome. Now, bad in the Steelers preview this week, your X factor of the game was, I think it was a unit on the Steelers team. I'm not going to let you off like Jeff and Dave did. Which Steelers player needs to perform this week if we're going to get the W? I really think Marquise Pouncey. We just talked about uh, Javon Hargrave uh, coming up in the middle. They rotate about six guys on that defensive line. The Steelers, four, I know it was four years ago, but they had so much trouble with Brandon Graham and especially Fletcher Cox. DeCastro's another guy that really needs to step up as well. I, I think those two guys, when I say step up, they're there. They're playing a good brand of football this year. In fact, a whole lot better than last year. But really, that's the most dangerous unit on the Philadelphia Eagles would be their front seven and their defensive line. You talked about the fact that they have had a lot of sacks this year. They have 17 so far. They have more than the Steelers, but the Steelers have played one less game. But this is a team that could get after the quarterback. This is also a a unit that needs to, if they control that, they can control the controllable. And that's my theme for the entire game. If the Steelers can control the controllable, shut out all the noise that uh, of the COVID situation with the Tennessee Titans, that's behind you. If you shut that out and you just remember a few things, the key to stopping the Eagles would be not flushing out Carson Wentz to the point that he can beat you with his legs and throw on the run. If you could find a way to control that and you control that defensive front seven of the Eagles, you're going to be in great shape. Yeah, and, and Carson Wentz there, um, and you did talk about in the preview as well for listeners that missed it, but you know, just like Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz can move in that pocket. And last week we saw him get almost 40 yards. Um, and as Brian said, he, he, he can throw on the run, but you know, 40 yards of, of rushing from a player like Carson Wentz, even who's had the in- injury history that he has had, you know, we can't afford to let him make those runs. Equally, you know, by having Carson rush, 
Philadelphia open up a player like Jalen Hurts, who they took in the draft, who, who last week had, a, had about 18 rushing yards himself. So, and a long of about 15 you know, of those rushing yards. So the Steelers need to be careful about the, this mobility at, at quarterback. Now, last, against the Texans, there was a lot of noise made about the fact it was the Watt Bowl. Earlier this season, the Steelers punted their Aussie punter, Jordan Berry. Which is a real shame because this could have been the Aussie Bowl of the, uh, I think of the season in the NFL because it would have had three Australian players in the one game, which I think there's only about six Australians in the NFL right now on current rosters um, and it, or, or might even be 53-man squads. But you would have had three in this game. You would have had Jordan Berry. You would have had um, Jordan Mailata, who's playing on the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Cameron Johnson, who's, who's the punter for the Philadelphia Eagles. So a little bit disappointing um, for all the Aussie, Aussie listeners out there or all the wannabe Aussies. Um, and I'm sure after hearing seeing the slang earlier in the, in the show today, you're all really keen to get that, get that Aussie on. But, Mark, you know I wasn't too big on Berry coming into the season. But I think I'm going to have to eat a bit of humble pie here because as Mike mm. Tomlin called out in his press conference this week, the punting game hasn't delivered on where the Steelers were hoping for this season. And I had a little bit of a look back. Now, why Colquitt has played many more seasons than Barry, I think he's in his 15th or 16th season. Barry had about, was about six and seven in the league when he got cut by the Steelers. Barry's career average is 44.2 yards. Colquitt's average is 44.8 yards. They have only two yards that separate them from their longest punts of their career in 79 and 81. 81, which Colquitt has. But whilst Berry's career high of average yards per punt per season was 45.6 in 2016, whereas Colquitt averaged over 46 yards in 2012 and 2013, Colquitt hasn't punted for more than 45 yards since 2017. Barry had 45.5 yards in 2019. So, Mark, the Steelers punted Joran Barry, but they're not getting the return from the Yank. Yeah, well, at, at this moment, I don't think the Steelers punting game has hurt us. Um, and I'd just like to bring up something quickly because I was actually, you know, during the bye week was a bit bit quiet and I was, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I was watching uh, some Steelers games and I saw, um, and I never watched the losing game, but I just happened to see uh, Jordan Berry when he played uh, Steelers versus Broncos, the 2015 playoff game. He shanked a few punts in that one. They're, and I'm starting to see why, you know, he uh, did, didn't do too well. There was one that was back in the end zone. He punted for, I think, about... 30 yards. So he hasn't, you know, Colquitt hasn't, hasn't hurt us this season. Uh, I think even from memory, I could be wrong, but from memory, I think even he caught a a fly ball and and, and brought it in for Boswell, which helped out for a kick. So, you know, these are the plays you don't want to talk about too much. And I think he's doing an okay job. If he can zing one for 65 yards and put the pressure on the offense. And that's when our defense is going to, you know, the field position will, will show up. Uh, Danny Smith won't chew his gum as hard, you know. So we've 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 completely flipped. I like the the turn up that Barry's had the last few years. You like the reliability yeah. in Colquitt. Well, 
Well, the little thing was because when I watched when I watched the Steelers game versus the uh, Steelers versus Broncos in 2015, and I I saw Barry, and that was the year I was going over to Super Bowl 50. And I don't watch those in games, but the more I watch it, I'm like, wow, I think Barry played quite a quite a key piece to that game. And if we had a better punter, maybe something might have happened. But, you know, Colquitt, he, he's doing his job. He hasn't had, in my opinion, nothing gone wrong so far. Yeah. And Brian, we haven't had, the Steelers this season haven't really had to rely on special teams yet. We've not really been put in that position. Do you think there might come a moment this week where we do need the special teams to step up and deliver as that, that, that third, you know, massive unit, unit of the game? I am always so critical of Danny Smith Jr. and the, uh, the Steelers special teams. You're definitely going to need to see them step up. But here's the thing. I actually think that this is probably one of the best showings that I've seen from them in a while. I'm not worried about Colquitt because punting stats are, are different because I know you look at so many different things. The first thing you want to look at that everybody does look at is net average. But when you have, you have a situation when you're playing the field position game, it doesn't really, mem- really matter how far you punt that ball. It's if you're placing it inside the 20. The Steelers, as long as they are playing a good field position game, I don't care what the average punt for Colquitt is. It doesn't matter. As far as the return game goes, we are going to see some electricity out of Ray Ray McLeod. He is going to break one. It's, it's a matter of time. The only thing you've got to worry about with McLeod, the wrap on him coming in, we haven't seen it yet, knock on any kind of wood. But you've got to realize that there's a little bit of a knock that he, has, he can put the ball on the ground. So as long as he can protect the ball, Deontay Johnson can protect the ball, they're going to break one. But you just got to make sure they take care of it. As far as punting, I think uh, Cookwood is still going to prove to be a great signing for this team. Yeah, awesome. And, and we saw the fruits of when the Steelers can pin a team back inside that 20. They had that punt block earlier in the season as well, you know, when, this, when the special teams unit came out there. And I thought that was one of the, sort of the highlights for me on special teams so far. But as you say, you say they're bad. It's about pinning them in that 20 and then letting the, letting the defense eat, just letting, letting that defensive line, letting those linebackers absolutely eat. But look, listeners, each week we like to give you our punt of the week, which, as we've shared with you in slang, often a punt in Australia means more than just a kick. It, it can be a ferry that carries cars across water. Um, but it also means a bet or, or a gamble, and it's something that um, we like to do down, from time to time down under. Now, Mark and I, after starting the first few weeks, <laughs> absolute blip, zilch, zero, and now two, two out of two from the last two weeks. And we even gave you a... Gave you a tip last week, um, even though the Steelers had the impromptu buy. Mark, what is your punt for this week? What is what is that big gamble, a big bet you're going to take that that the Steelers are going to achieve this week and to help them get that W? All right, so so short and sweet. I've got uh, the Steelers defense getting uh, five sacks, and then as they get five sacks. Carson Wentz is going to realize why Philadelphia has a statue of Nick Foles out the front and not himself. Wow. Wow. You, you've dug there. You've had that dig. You've absolutely gone for it. I had, there to. And... I had to, mate. Honestly, it's Foles' city and here he is. Before I get to mine, bad. 
we're going to invite you into our punts of the week. What's your, what's your punt of the week for the listeners out there? Boys, I'm thinking pick six this week. I think it's going to happen. Who's it going to be? Well, let me just tell you this. I do bold and bizarre predictions, and I do that on the uh, editorial side. And in week two, I was correct about an interception for Mike Hilton. I was correct about an interception for Joe Hayden. And actually, I flipped those around. Oh, week two, it was Joe Hayden. Week three, Mike Hilton. So I'm going to go as far as saying somebody's going to take it to the house. Who's it going to be? I'm going to shock you all. Terrell Edmonds. Ooh. That's a, that's, a, that's a big bet. That's a big punt. That's a long one if that one comes off. Wow. That's, uh, Brian's made a big tip there. Wow, listeners. That's my Vinny Vega from Pulp Fiction, played by John Travolta. That is my, that's a bold statement. <laughs> Can't wait. Wow. So, wow. Brian stole on the show with that one. For me this week, I think this is when we see Ben throw more than four four touchdowns. I think I think I think this is the week. I think the Steelers and you know listeners, there's as always, the writers and and the podcast hosts of BTSC will have their predictions up online at behindthesteelcurtain.com before this week's game. Have a little look at my prediction in there, but I think this is the this is the sort of game where Ben needs to fire. I think the Steelers. You know, it may be close at halftime, and I think we're going to have to rely on that offense. I think that defensive line is incredibly strong from the Eagles. So, for me, Ben to throw four more TDs. Nice. So, with that, that that sort of wraps up our show for this week. Um, But, Mark, Bad, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? Like I said before, the uh, Steelers just need to uh, just take care of business on the field. Let the NFL, let everybody else take care of what happens off of the field. To quote Mike Tomlin, we don't care. These guys just want to play football. As long as they're playing football, this team is going to be fine. To quote the uh, late Daryl Drake, shut out the noise. Marky Day. Yeah, so I, I ended, up, ended up a bit of a weird one here. I went for a little ride today, and I went down the coast along, along Australia, down the entrance in uh, New South Wales here. I had a bit of lunch out looking on a little table. I looked out to, uh, to the ocean. I saw, you know, birds flying in the V, and, you know, so majestic. And I thought to myself, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Then I thought, no way. Why? Let's get the Steelers to hammer that. Steel is, steel is stronger than feathers. Uh, our Steelers <laughs> can crush them. Like, I thought, oh, you know, we won't have a chance. There's no chance. We win 4-0. Carson Wentz thinks about his NFL career. And, yeah, we, we show the NFL who we are. I agree with you both. And, and for me, it's how can we wind those eagles beneath their wings? How can our offensive line push off, as you said there before, that how can Pouncey take it to that defensive line? The same thing on defense. How can we take it to their offensive line? How can we turn our fellow Aussie Jordan Maialata into a turnstile this week as, you know, as the sacks pile on and wet starts crumbling and start seeing why he's not as good as Foles as Marky D said there. Um, but so excited for the game. Look, we know everyone has a busy week. This is the first game you've had in two weeks before this, you know, with the Steelers. If you've missed any of this week's show, go back and listen to Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict. 
um, and, and Michael Beck. Go go back and listen to the Steelers preview. There's a whole host of content that's you know that's come out this week. Listen to some of the press conferences. Listen to the injury reports. Whatever it is, get ready for the pregame show as well. Behind the Steel Curtain is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. There's everything there from film rooms to, you know, prediction pieces to, you know, deep analysis to great articles to ones that might get you riled up from Tony Duffio. On Tony Duffio, please tune in for, for his show. We always like to throw to that one. He follows us in the, in the, in the schedule, but we always love to tune into Tony as well. Tune into his show. Have a great weekend. Go Steelers.